All right, today's Holiday 8th Living History is with Spencer Philippoum. How are you, Spencer? I'm doing well this morning. Thank uh, you. Probably in the context of the word, I should call you president. As no, the, I, no. I, I prefer Spencer every time. <laughs> nice. All right, we'll go with that, at least for this uh, this session here. So uh, I, as you've talked and, and talked about your background a little bit, I, I, it's not your typical Wasatch Front uh, upbringing. Where, where was it that you were born? I was born in Auckland, New Zealand. Ah, just South down Pacific, the road? Just right. down the road, yeah, <laughs> in the South Pacific, so yeah. So you're, And uh, does your family history go back pretty far there? Or? Uh, my mom's from Samoa. Uh, Philippum's actually a Dutch name. Really? My dad's from Holland. The Netherlands got separated from his family during the war, and I uh, never saw him again, so I ended up in New Zealand and met my mom. Really? So your uh, dad's a, a white boy? Is that <laughs> My dad's a Palangi, as they say, in nice. New Zealand or, or in Samoa. That's him over there, the picture. So, oh, cool. Yeah, he uh, uh, got separated from his family during World War II and uh, kind of wandered the streets in the midst of the war and, you know, joined the Dutch uh, Dutch Army, they, he tells me, and served in uh, the Korean conflict, and after... After the Korean conflict was over, they were offering free citizenship. Great Britain was offering free citizenship. You could go to Australia or to New Zealand or several countries, and him and his, his buddies just chose New Zealand. Wow. It's a good place to choose as far as I've seen the postcards. So. It's a good place to choose. And my my mom was actually had just gone over there to the church college that they just closed in Hamilton. My mom had gone over there, had, had left Samoa at the age of 18 or 19 to go to that church college over there. And... Uh, the story goes that uh, my dad saw her on a bus bench and went over and offered her a cigarette, and she said, I don't smoke. And <laughs> he said, how about going down to the pub down the street and getting a drink? And she says, I don't drink either. And that was kind of the end of it, and it took a couple tries. He kept seeing her at the bus bench. Obviously, she had some place to go to take in public transit. And finally, he says, what do I got to do to, to uh, go out with you? And my mom says, well, you can meet me here on Sunday at whatever time it was, and it was the church. <laughs> oh, nice. And so that's how it all started. And that's how he got introduced to the gospel. Then. That's how he got introduced to the gospel, yeah. So your mom's side, pretty um, pretty religious background and, yeah, yeah, and an ancestry? Yeah, my mom's uh, background was all Mormon, or yeah. LDS, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and my dad had nothing to do with it. So. Yeah. So was it a long road uh, for your father to join the church? <clears throat> Uh, well, when there's a gal involved, it's pretty short, I'm guessing. But, uh, you know, he ended up being the bishop of that ward. Wow. So they got married, and uh, was, they made him the bishop. Matter of fact, that picture over there, uh, that was the... That's when he was the bishop, and the and the church that they, they used to come here for conference every once in a while for some training. So that's him getting on the plane from New Zealand to fly to Salt Lake City. Wow. To attend conferences as a as a young bishop, he's probably thirty four there. Wow, wow, so that's a few yeah. connecting flights, I would imagine. Yeah, and <laughs> well, if you look at the plane, it has propellers too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I interesting. Look, yeah, I look at that picture all the time and just think, wow, it's not it's, it's not hard being the Elderscorn president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, um, how would you describe? Uh, you know, they so they they get married soon after he, he gets baptized. I, I assume. Uh, so that I'm really not sure of the time frame on that. There were six kids, and while well, there were five kids at that picture, I was the, I was I was I was 
brand new baby then when he oh, okay. went there so i was four when we moved here uh late, late in 1964 we moved here and uh so yeah it's just an interesting story it really is yeah and so what what encouraged them to come to the states well those visits right there that you know when he came i did you know uh I guess the story goes that after the second visit, he came here twice, and after the second visit, he just says, you know what, we're we're moving to Salt Lake, we're moving to Zion, as it were, back then. Now we uh-huh. know that Zion's everywhere the saints are, right? Yeah, yeah. But back then, it was in the shadows of the Salt Lake Temple and the shadows of the church office building, and so we moved here. So it was a, I often, so by then we had six kids, my, my, my youngest sister, I'm the, I'm the second of the youngest, so my youngest sister came along there were six kids and he was 35 36 then i just think you know my mom was 34 35 and i'm just thinking you know they're not just moving to the other neighborhood yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, that's they're, they're they're packing their whole belongings up and and uh, coming to a distant country which yeah. is a ways away and so what did your father do for work when he moved here well it, so an interesting story there too so he was in construction i mean you know, he was an immigrant to New Zealand and just did whatever he could and uh, uh, got into the construction trade. And the person who baptized him was named Dwight Jensen. He used to, he just lived up by Olympus High School up here. He was oh, the wow. missionary that baptized my dad. That's great. And so my second brother's named Dwight. Oh, wow. So after the missionary. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, a correspondence between him and Dwight when, when our family was coming over here. Matter of fact, one of my first recollections was staying with the Jensen family and the, the kids slept out in the tent because it was early summer when we first moved here. Hmm. And we slept in the Jensen's backyard in the tent <laughs> as, a, as, as the kids. And I'm sure my parents were inside. Those memories are a little hazy. but So Dwight kind of uh, helped him out. And there was a local construction outfit around here called Kramer Construction that built a lot of that did a lot of work for the church and uh you know just says hey i got this this guy baptized coming over from new zealand with his family would you give him a job and gave him a job and that's how it all started wow so what do you remember from um i, I would imagine <clears throat> once you got here that's sort of when your your memories yeah. begin right yeah, you don't remember much of new zealand I, I, well i do i do remember one thing about new zealand is uh you know, the funny thing is that I remember the Ward House on 55 Social Street, Social Avenue uh-huh. in, in New Zealand. I just remember that when you went in, you had to go up some stairs. And when you got up to the main lobby, the uh, the uh, chapels had glass walls. Wow. Or, or, or big glass windows. And so, and plus the uh, church was next to a park. <clears throat> and I remember leaving church as a young boy and, and going down to the park and playing and my dad had to come down and get me uh-huh. <laughs> i remember that but it was funny when we just went back i've still got a bunch of family there so just a few years back we went back and uh and visited some family and friends there and and we went to the ward house you know and i remember walking in and walking up the stairs and there were the big glass windows like i wow. was just there the week just came before. flooding back yeah, just yeah. came flooding back so there are memories there I remember the front porch where, you know, my family lived in in, in on New Zealand and all that. But yes, you are right. Most of my memories start when I was a yeah. So how would you describe those developmental years of, of being raised here? <clears throat> you know, I didn't really know anything different. I just felt like I had a great childhood. I had a very nurturing mother, who was uh, always home, and uh, 
you know, she was a wonderful cook. So uh, remember great food and just uh, living off the land, if, if, if you will. We never went out to dinner. We never did any of those things. Uh, so I just, I just, I just felt like I had a great, great childhood. My dad always worked as an immigrant would. You yeah. Know? So he. He worked long days and long hours, and I and I remember that specifically. And I uh, worked hard, and I uh, came home dirty. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and 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 I don't. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that. So uh, I feel like my childhood was a great childhood. It's funny because you talk to my older brother, and he's mentioned this several times. He says, "Well, my childhood was completely different from your childhood." <laughs> and I, and 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 the older I get, the more I understand that too. Right? Yeah. So. I felt like my childhood was one of ease and leisure, and I attribute that to my dad and his uh, desire to work hard for his family and my mom. Uh, you know, I remember being involved. I always, <clears throat> you know, back then all you did was play with whatever ball was in season. <clears throat> Excuse me, whether it be basketball or baseball or football or whatever. So I, I grew up loving and playing sports and that's what we did around the neighborhood and it was fun yeah so i had a, had a great childhood yeah it sounds like that the example of your parents almost uh speaks louder than maybe some of the words they they directly spoke yeah. to you and that's that's uh, very fair to say yeah I, I would say that hard workers nurturing loving yeah and uh, that's great and ha- what uh, what habits or steps do they take to instill the gospel in your life and bring the spirit into that home you know, we just always went to church. Mm-hmm. That was one thing we always did. My, you know, we always gathered as a family and went to church. And you know, back then it was you know nine o'clock was 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 priesthood and uh-huh. <laughs> priest society, and you came home and you know eleven thirty was Sunday school or whatever. And then you came home and if you were lucky, you had the two o'clock hour for for sacrament. If you're unlucky, you had the four o'clock hour. You know, so <laughs> yeah. so but that's you know certainly the scriptures were always involved and. Not necessarily that we gathered much as a family to read the scriptures, but my mom's uh, my mom was always in the scriptures, hmm. and my dad was also, and so was once again by example. And uh, the one thing we did, we just went to church every every Sunday. We we attended church. Yeah. So and and was there a a moment when sort of that testimony was instilled in you, or was it more gradual? Uh, it was definitely more gradual and. Uh, probably later on in life, uh, after I was married, to be honest with you, not even before I was married. I mean, it was, you know, going to church was just something that we did on Sundays. Uh-huh. And certainly there were great guys over in the ward. I grew up, you know, we grew up, I grew up in the stake. Oh, okay. Just in the 18th ward, a couple uh, wards to the north there. And so, and there's a story to that too, but we won't need, don't need to go into that. But so, you know, there were great guys over there that uh, kind of, took me by the hand there was a guy named randy call who still lives over there on Wren road that uh just always had my best interest in mind yeah so you know good good bishop over there bishop sims and bishop russell uh bishop jack i mean they were just you know just great and of course, my parents. So it was a, it was definitely a combined effort. Yeah, that kept me going in the right direction. You know. So, did you feel like you sort of had a? I mean, were you not super spiritual at that point? Where did you, no. did you have some rebellious tendencies at all, or, or what did that look like? 
I definitely had some rebellious tendencies. Like that's probably what you know. I never served a mission. Hmm. Uh, had really uh, was it mentioned in my home? Yeah, my my older brother served a mission. My 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 oldest brother did not. He served in Vietnam. Dwight served a mission, and I just didn't want to serve a mission. I was probably. Well, I was doing things I probably wasn't supposed to be doing, but that's part of it all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, that's when Randy came into play, and my dad was very patient, and my mom was just being a mom. Yeah. You know, just, uh, so. It was, and what did that fellowship look like? I mean, those various men you mentioned, what did that look like week to week, and how did they do that? Well, like I said, my dad just always made sure we went to church. Randy, Randy, uh, Randy was a softball player, and I was, I and, and I loved softball, and so he got us on some uh, teams and some more teams, and I played a lot of softball with with Randy, and that's kind of was our connection right there. Plus, we, you know, he was ten years older than me, I guess, ten maybe twelve years older, and we just played a lot of softball growing up, and I continued to play softball for a long time with Randy, and it was a lot of fun, and I think that was our connection. And it seems funny, but I think that had a lot to do with me hanging around so to speak so yeah so it sounds like i mean you're pretty athletic uh young man i don't know about i mean i enjoyed (laughs) sports but that's what we did yeah you know that that, that's what we did at that age i you know softball was a great it's a great sport but i really loved basketball was probably the one i loved the most but were you on school teams or just church teams or uh, i was on uh, school teams yeah nice so nice but uh, did that lead to like scholarships or uh, call it collegiate level uh efforts well, it led to uh, so there was a there was a guy that lived down Conwood Lane named George Suval who was a storied coach at South High School and I played up at Olympus and George and I were pretty good buddies. He had camps and everything and <clears throat> anyway he he pulled some strings and I had an opportunity to go down to to play down at Snow and and, and it was because of George so I went down to Snow and you know just didn't care for Ephraim to be honest oh, yeah. with you. and that's nothing against them but you know I mean you got to realize I was 18 too yeah you know and you know at 18 you think you know it all and you don't know anything nice so I just so yes it did but no I didn't I didn't pursue yeah so. yeah so going back to uh, uh was was it a big moment as far as deciding not to serve a mission or did everybody sort of see that maybe that wasn't uh, on your on your journey <clears throat> Uh, <clears throat> as far as the decision, I, I it was just something that I never planned on going. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I guess that's not fair to say. I mean, it's just, when I got to the age where the decision needed to be made, I just what well, wasn't going to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always tell people if I went went on a mission, I wouldn't have married Dixie. Hmm. So it, it was probably a trade off, and <laughs> I think I got the better of it. Yeah, if that's fair to say. So. Is something that I look back on and think, man, I wish I would have served a mission. Yeah, yeah, sure. But then when I go to bed at night, I'm grateful that I didn't. Yeah, if that makes sense because I'm laying next to my wife. So right, I think that's great to just see those <clears throat> blessings <clears throat> well, and, I, from all angles, right? That, that yeah. Came. So it was a. I mean, obviously, you look back on it now, and everything's, you know, pushes towards going on a mission. That's yeah. the way it should be. So, but it didn't work out for me, but it did. Yeah, so. for sure. So when did Dixie come into your life then? Well, Dixie went to Olympus too. We never dated in high school. She'll probably tell you different, but we never dated in high <laughs> school. You know, her her locker was by my locker, and 
you know, she always tells a story. Or he always hung out by my locker. I'm like, because my locker was three lockers down, I had to hang out by your locker. <laughs> so, but <clears throat> you know, she she was just someone I noticed in high school, but never dated. Uh-huh. So, and and when did that uh, maybe shift to being more romantic? <clears throat> well, we uh, so my dad bought a boat when I was in high school, and he was. Uh, He'd uh, let the kids take it, you know, by themselves. So, and I love the water ski. I grew up water skiing with other friends' boats. Then my dad bought a boat. So we, as as a young teenager, an older teenager, we always hooked the boat up, and we used to, me and some friends used to haul it down to Utah Lake, you know, before they had all the algae blooms down there. <laughs> it was a pretty clean lake. And, and we'd go down there and go skiing and just one day i had a friend named tad he says hey and he dated a gal named melinda that lived up by dixie and tad called me up and says hey you think we could take your boat up and go skiing i says well we you know we'll need a third and he goes well i'll have her talk to melinda let's go he says why don't you call someone so i thought oh, i'll call dixie see if she'd like to go water skiing first first contact with uh-huh. her so to speak so I, and was this you were still in high school or was this after? i had graduated she's a year younger this oh, okay. was that summer actually that i graduated gotcha so i called dixie and says hey yada 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 i got a boat we're gonna go skiing tad and melinda and i you know do do you want to go and she goes well i'm feeling really sick so i don't think so so all right you know no big deal so i we pick up melinda and as we were leaving melinda street we had to drive by the duplex that dixie and her mom lived in uh-huh. and so tad says let's just stop and ring on the doorbell again so <laughs> so we stopped and i uh i go up to the doorbell and i ring the doorbell no one answers but i heard something in back so i look over the fence and there dixie was laying out on the lawn chair <laughs> she i wasn't sick at all she just didn't want to go with oh with burn me. okay <laughs> so anyway i gave her a hard time and talked her into it and she ended up going with us and we went and got pizza that night after and just started we dated off and on for almost four years before we got married hmm. so, so you went to uh snow that's what well I'm and that's the thing is that i went down the snow kind of backtracking and had a workout with Coach Bagelin and all that stuff. He was a coach down there, and he told me, "Yeah, let's uh, let's get you registered and everything." And I just, oh, okay. I just said, "You know what? I'm. I don't think I want to." So I just, I remember coming home and telling Coach Suve all that, and George says, "Well, I I can appreciate that." There were other things there. My mm-hmm. dad, my brother were just starting a business, and so that played into the thought process too. So I didn't end up <clears throat> staying down at Ephraim at all. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so then you came back here and I you just jumped into and, yeah, work? And started working. Nice, nice. And uh, so off and on for four years, and then uh, what uh, shifted it towards marriage? Well, it was just to the point. I, it was either <laughs> one or the other. Yeah. I mean, we, we either had to go our separate ways or we had to get married, and we chose to get married. Nice, nice. And it's worked out. Nice. Happily ever after, right? Happily, <laughs> and, and continues to be, for nice. sure. So uh, you mentioned your father was in the construction business, and you're uh, in that uh, – that business as well did that come from uh did your father start a business in construction or what did that business look like well it started so it's been over 40 years now started in uh, 78 the summer of 78 uh and really my dad was still working for kramer construction my brother who served in vietnam went to went up to the u on the gi bill Hmm. and got a degree in business he got his master's in business and after he graduated just said to my dad why don't we start a business and you know you know you have the know-how i have the knowledge of what to do with it after and 
So it started in 78, and me and my other brother, Dwight, and my other brother, we, we were the laborers, so to speak. So we just, it was just kind of one of those natural evolution things. We just kind of jumped in, and 40 years later, here we are. My dad passed away 10 years into it uh, after a battle with cancer. So it was mm. just the three of us, and it's worked out. It's been a hard living. It's been a good living, and it continues to be so. But it's you know, it doesn't come without, you know, working with your brothers isn't always... <laughs> know pleasant sometimes i just think what is his problem <laughs> but otherwise it's uh it's good you yeah know? And, and you know he's i've got a brother that he's the face of the company and i'm fine with that and my other brother's fine with that but he's very honest and does the right thing yeah and uh, i think in business that's uh, not always the, the uh, story yeah sure so but it's you know we've done a lot of work for the church we do build commercially and industrial and uh, don't do any residential, maybe once in a while, but pretty much a lot of work for the church. It's about 60, 65% of our work, and hmm. that's been a blessing and a curse sometimes too, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So, uh, like building new uh, new yeah. chapels. Yeah, Was brand that? new ones, re- uh, retrofits, renovations, additions, whatever. Do a lot of work up at the ski resorts. I've put in a lot of uh, ski lifts over the years and uh, just restaurants, whatever. Yeah, when Kmart made a big push here, twenty plus years ago, twenty five years ago, we did seven Kmart's right in a row. Oh, really? So, uh, a lot of, you know, we've been blessed. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's been a hard living, but it's been a good one. I've been able to provide for my family and still be able to do so. So, yeah. So, is it? Uh, I mean, do you, do you find some passion in, in that work? I mean, do you really enjoy it, or is it more of just uh, mm. you, you get it done and pay the bills? Uh, I mean, there is enjoyment in, in it. I, I do enjoy the people that I work around for some reason. Uh, I really enjoy the interaction with them. Uh, it is a it is a means of paying the bills. I mean, that's the bottom line. Do I, would I suggest it? You know, go out and be in construction. It's a hard <laughs> life, right? Yeah, and, it, and and it's hard on you physically. So uh, yeah. But it's so yes, both. I, I I do enjoy it, although I'm not as as enjoying it as much as I used to. But mm-hmm. I'm getting I'm almost sixty, and it's wearing on me. Sure, sure. I think everybody probably goes through that. Uh, yeah, that that and phase I think in that their career. Could probably be said with any yeah uh, type of employment, right? Yeah, for sure. So tell me about as far as being a father. Uh, maybe those early years as as a father. How many kids did you? Um, so we had four have? kids. We had three boys, and then a little girl. I always. I always tell my boys, well, she made it all worth it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she, she she was she was the she, she came a little later on, five years after our youngest son was born, because you know Dixie'd had some uh, uh, problems, uh, and uh, you know the, the the doctor just says, you know, you, you guys are probably done having kids, so mm. we just kind of went away, you know, just just went forward with that and. It was a year after my dad passed away that she got pregnant and Katie came down and Dixie always says, well, your dad went up there and said they need a girl. Yeah. So that's uh, great. It's been, you know, being a father's uh, hard but rewarding. You know, I had uh, both, all, all my boys were uh, active in sports up at the high school and I always tell people, you know, I played up here in the high school, but I got a lot more, it was it was more rewarding watching my boys play up the high school than I ever got playing. Hmm. And so I enjoyed that part of it. Now it's, you know, your kids, you just shake your head sometimes and think, <laughs> you know, what are you thinking? And yeah. So, but it's, 
you know, for the most part, it's all good. Yeah. It, 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 it is good for the most part. Yeah. yeah. You kind of mentioned that your testimony blossomed, <clears throat> and then we'll come back to your, your time as a father, but your testimony blossomed uh, after your marriage. Uh, yeah. What, what did that look like, or why do you say that? Well, I think, uh, you know, Dick and I got married, and then we moved, and then I, we had bought an older home up in the Mill Creek area, and, you know, we just loved the ward up there and everything, and just loved the people there, and just uh, really enjoyed our time up there. But, it, uh, you know, my testimony really didn't blossom until we moved into this ward for some reason. Hmm. You know, the, the reason why we moved here, my dad had passed away, and my mom was really struggling. And uh, I was in the position of the only sibling that was looking to move because we just had Katie. Hmm. And so I told Dix, I says, well, let's just move by my mom. I can, you know, my youngest son, I mean, my oldest son, Tyler, was eight or nine. And, you know, so my kids were getting to the age where they could, you know, go over and mow the lawn, shovel the walks and all that stuff and help out. And I could be close. So we were looking in this area. And... Uh, <clears throat> And we were looking for a house because I didn't want to build a house. And they're just, you know, what they were asking for the houses was a lot. And I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And so I had a real estate agent who was helping me. He was a good friend's father. And he drove up this back street here. And he says, there's some lots up there. And I says, yeah, those lots are too steep. If I was going to build a house, there'd just be the one in the circle. Because this circle was all open except for mm-hmm. Deborah here next door. And, and another house or two. And. I said, I'd be interested in that lot. Anyway, fast forward, so he made a call. A guy named uh, Al McGeegee owned it, and he says, yeah, it's about time I sold it. And so I, he gave me a price, and, you know, being the young guy, I, I countered his uh-huh. price, which I just look back on and laugh now. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, you know, so then he countered again, and we settled on a price, and I bought it. And I think every person in the ward, when I heard I'd, purchased the home asked if i was a geeky oh yeah because <laughs> there's a lot of well, well, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah when, I, when i purchased the lot i mean so anyway i built the home here because it was close because it was in this stake uh-huh. it was close to my mom so back to your original question so we moved in and you know this ward was just you know i love the eighth ward i love the people yeah uh i love uh the leaders uh, specifically the bishops uh, that I've had here, you know. Started with Scott Sorensen was the bishop when we first moved in. My first recollection of going to an event here was a, they had a dinner at the ward, and so we went because, you know, and first of all, we had a hard time leaving our other ward. Hmm. We had a hard time going, but we went to this function, and it was a, function for gary nelson he was the previous bishop and he had just got put in the state presidency and i had so we i remember walking through the line and saying thank you and to gary for being the <laughs> bishop that was my first yeah first time would even been to award function and then i met scott and i always tell people you know scott was a great bishop and uh Whenever I, you know, whenever he drove by me on the road in a car or something, I always joke. I said, you know, I just want to sit up straighter whenever he drives by me. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just, you know, that's the yeah. impact he had on me. But I guess it all started. It must have been ward conference or something. They wanted to have a visit. You know, how they go around and visit families. And so we said, yeah, I guess. So, you know, we were a young couple. And, you know, Dixie and I got married in the temple. And our recommends weren't current. Uh-huh. I hadn't been current for a long time, and it wasn't for any specific reason other than 
Just they, they yeah. didn't get renewed. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, there wasn't anything going on. We just didn't, it just wasn't something we were doing back then. And, and, uh, so anyway, they called up for, uh, for a visit and Scott and, and came in and who was with him was Gary Nelson. And, uh, you know, we had some nice visit for a few minutes and then, and Scott being Scott just says, well, we're here for, for, for a specific reason. And I looked down and I said, yeah, I know why you're here. And, uh, and Scott's, you know, I'm just trying to remember it's 25 years ago. And yeah. Scott says, well, I guess we're wondering why you don't have a recommend. And I just said, you know, I don't have a great answer for that. Hmm. And so he challenged us and, you know, we've had a concurrent ever since. Wow. So I guess the thing I love about the eighth ward is the leaders. You know, we've had great bishops, like I said, Scott and uh, Mike Bourne, uh, Rich Hanks, who, you know, love all these good men. And then Thane Taggy came in and uh, Brian Feathers, uh, Greg Hull, and I, you know, so we've been blessed with good you know, with good leaders, though, there's got to be good people, right? Yeah. So, so just that uh, consistent fellowship yeah. and love and brotherhood. That I mean, from all of them. I mean, I could tell you a story about each each bishop we've had that has just been, you know, they've just been awesome. Mike was awesome with my kids. Rich was love. Rich Hanks, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Thane and Brian, I was serving out of the ward for a period of time during those, those two guys. I was out of the ward for almost 10 years when they were bishops, but just mm-hmm. know who they are and have appreciated them. And then good good sisters, too. So, you know, and this is a wonder, this was and continues to be a wonderful place to raise your family. Yeah. And not just this ward, the stake. Yeah. But I grew up in the stake, so. Nice. So during that time, and with that fellowship and, and raising kids, I mean, were there any aspects that you sort of drew upon from your experience with your parents as far as implementing the gospel in your home? Yeah, we went to church. Nice. That was the, you know, we read scriptures not regularly, but we tried to do the best we could. But one thing we did do was go to church. Yeah. And that was that was just because of the way I was raised, yeah. we gathered our family together, whether they were kicking and screaming or whatever, and complaining <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, being Layman and Lemuel or whatever, we, we just went to church. Yeah. And so that's something we've always done. Yeah. Like my wife reminded me, we, all, we had family prayer every morning. Sure. So, sure. So. so were there any aspects of fatherhood that uh, you found really challenging? Yeah. My oldest son. <laughs> he has a name. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he's a good he's a good young man and a good father but you know what i think i think parenting and being a father is challenging no matter what yeah right i sure. mean it's, it's it's because you're looking back on the on the dumb things you did and you don't want them to do the dumb uh-huh. things but then you kind of got to let them do the dumb things so they can figure it out right uh-huh. yeah I mean, is that fair yeah sure so that's I how they learn right yeah i wasn't one who <clears throat> I mean, I would certainly tell them and voice my concerns and or frustration and or pat on the backs or heads, if you will. But I just, you know, I tried to let them do their thing, too. Yeah. Uh, with a watchful eye, I guess. Now, I don't know if that worked out for the best, but all I, I got good kids. Yeah. I mean, certainly you want them to be better and maybe more successful and do things different. And, and, and I do things different, but they'll figure it out. Yeah, that's great. Um 
you mentioned this time where you were uh, served outside the ward. Was uh, what were those capacities? So I, so I served out the ward. I was in the high council prior to that. Rich Hanks had called me to be the gospel doctor and teacher, and I can really tell you that's probably where my testimony started to flourish. Hmm. And I, I never knew why. You know, I when when our Rich called me into his office, he he extended the call himself, and he he looked at me and says, "You know what? This is going to be your mission, and I'll never forget that." Wow. He says, "You're going to gain some insight and knowledge here." So, uh, I did that for two years, and then uh, got a call from the state executive secretary. Is the word <laughs> I, you know, I had no idea to be honest with you. And Mike Bourne was the state president then, and. He extended a call to serve on the high council, and that certainly, you know, made my testimony flourish. I uh, love that calling, and I served in a YSA bishopric with Mike Swenson and for almost four years, and uh, that was awesome. And then I served in corrections for over four years, almost four years, and, you know, that was a great, great opportunity, too, to see things you know, to see how much we have and how much knowledge we have and what, you know, the others were struggling with. And it was just so simple to me. It's like, man, just look at the commandments. You're going to be, you know, yeah. a lot of times better. But there was a, you know, there was, a, there was just something raw about serving in corrections because they were broken. Yeah. And I, just, and I just, you know, not that I'm the Savior, but I felt that I was doing the work of the Savior there, not that it reaped fruits. You know, not not right away, but I had an opportunity to bear testimony of the truthfulness of the loving Savior every day. You know, not that I can't do that now, but the people who, you know, were just lost. So, yeah. so yeah, it was about ten years. I was out of the war, and I loved it. It was hard coming back to the war. It was. Yeah, yeah. So, so during that time with corrections, what was your what was your role there? Uh, first of all, for the first uh, year, I was uh, a mentor. You know, like I'd with with the men, you had to go down and pick them up and bring them to church. They that they had to have someone with them. So there was a halfway house that they had just uh, were, were released from the from the big house we called it. Uh-huh. I'd take them to the to the halfway house, which was which was down off California Avenue. So so I was a sponsor, a mentor, and would and 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 they'd assign you one individual. So then you'd pick them up every Sunday, and you'd bring them to church. We used to have church up here at the Olympus Seminary. Oh, okay. And after serving in that capacity for just short of a year, they made me the branch president there, and so did that for uh, served over the man for just over a year there, like about fourteen months, I think it was. And then there was they they got a new director. The church assigned a new director over the correctional facility and he made some changes and and uh, they assigned me uh so i got a new branch and it was a women's branch it was women's wow so that was <laughs> a whole new dynamic yeah, I would it guess. was a whole new dynamic <laughs> but you know what i was i was so grateful for that i mean you know with the men you know i'd sit in front of them would talk and i just think to myself <laughs> i just shake my head and think of what are you thinking yeah you know, and when I was with the women, it was, uh, there was always a reason why. Hmm. And it had to do with, you know, a, a, a male individual that wasn't doing what he was supposed to. Yeah. So not, you know, obviously they made some stupid decisions and did some dumb things, but it was always because there was some type of 
abuse going on it really tore at me yeah i just uh you know not only because men should be better than that but if they were priesthood holders and honored their priesthood they could have changed others pass yeah this doesn't impact them it impacts those around them really so i was grateful i was uh you know when that change was made i don't know how i felt about it. i was kind of upset my counselors i had one counselor who'd served up there for a number of years and he he was upset but i think at the i think when it was all said and done i think we were grateful for the opportunity to serve the female population of corrections yeah and hopefully you know when i i wanted to you know every chance i god i wanted to throw the whole sack of flour at him if if you would yeah because there were always kids involved hmm. always and it just really it just tugged at me for some reason so i really enjoyed that and uh enjoyed the opportunity to represent the savior in the correctional facility yeah which was uh, and he wasn't represented all that much down there so i was grateful for the opportunity to do that had some great i uh, made some great relations with some of the yeah, directors down there, they, they gave me free roam of the facility to a certain point. Obviously, with the females, I couldn't go back there, but I had free access to all of them. They, you know, whatever I was able to do, and they were reaching, they were relying on me. You know, the estate can only provide so much, and, you know, the director would say, you know, we need some uh, feminine products. This, we're, we're short on feminine products. Can you help us out? I said, you bet, yeah. Yeah. So I'd write that order for the uh, DI for the you know the bishop storehouse, and it just says you just go get whatever you need, and if there's a question, have them call me. That's so great. So I I just really enjoyed that and appreciated, and felt like I was doing some good. That it reap rewards right away, not all the time. Yeah, but I enjoyed that. So when you were with the the women's group, was that the halfway house type of situation that you met at Olympus as well, or? Yeah. So we so. We, uh, there were different uh, circumstances. We didn't have to pick them up one on one. The uh, sponsors they they had to be husband and wife sponsors. Okay. You know? In other words, uh, any group of men couldn't pick up the women. It had yeah. to be a husband and a wife, gotcha. or, or uh, any any group of women. It couldn't be just men. So we so that to kind of hide, instead of just having men sponsors, we got husband and wife teams, which was great. Wow, that's we cool. brought the Relief Society in. Yeah. And added the women's touch to it also. They didn't eat very good down there, so we always had something uh, for them to eat every Sunday, except for fast Sunday. And they'd come in, and you know, on on a, on a bad Sunday, not on a bad Sunday, because every Sunday was good, but on a <laughs> lesser Sunday, you know, yeah. we'd maybe get ten or twelve uh, inmates, if you will, and uh-huh. on a good on a normal Sunday, we'd usually get eighteen on eighteen to twenty. On a on a on a great Sunday, we'd get over thirty. Yeah. So depending, we had 10 sponsor couples, and, uh, you know, they'd pick up anywhere from three to four gals, and it was great. Wow, that's great. And I would imagine the vast majority of them are on on a probation uh, status in some levels. So was was the sacrament handled differently in those meetings? Yeah, the sacrament. So I'd always talk to them about that. We did administer the sacrament for for the sponsors because that was their church uh-huh. and then uh i always talked to the gals and that was something that was hard to to uh, navigate through to be yeah. honest with you as a matter of fact at the end we kind of changed it up and we started having a sacrament prior to going and pick them up so later on the sacrament wasn't offered because of the 
Yeah. You know, because of the situation. Yeah. However, I do. Uh, that was a that was a challenging time for me. That came from the from from the new director wanted to make some changes there, and him and I kind of butt heads a little on on some of the things there. But anyway, it was a great calling. Yeah, sounds like it. Wow, really. It was a um, great calling. I mean, you're really on the front lines of of the the atonement and how it's changing people, right? And yeah. So that yeah, and that that assignment since been taken from our stake got moved around those assignments were only supposed to be in a stake four to five years and we our stake had had that assignment including bonneville and atherton almost 16 and a half years mm. so it was a blessing to the stake i believe but i look at it from complete different glasses because i was the branch president there yeah so i just so i just uh and i was grateful for the opportunity and uh, it's probably be one of my most cherished it is my most cherished calling to, yeah. today and i've learned much about it much about the love of the savior yeah because of that calling and so i you know i kind of look at things even it still shapes my thoughts today and like you know this guy did that or that she did that it's like oh well right yeah just move past and love them right we'll get through it (laughs) i'm not worried about it yeah and i and i just really believe that i i don't you know i just it just really shapes the way I think. It yeah. it, it, it shaped the way I think about it all right now. Wow. Now you're serving as the Elders Quorum president, um, especially with the recent changes with combining high priests and elders. Uh, what what stands out about this calling that you've had the last few years? Well, there's a lot to do. Yeah? I mean, there's something always <laughs> to think about, and uh, but I just... Uh, so 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 far, it's probably not my favorite calling, but it's a calling, <laughs> right? And I'll and I'll do what. Well, you're good at it, in my opinion. Well, I, so. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know what? I just I'm just always going to do what's asked, and I'm yeah. going to try my best. I, you know, there's a lot to do. Work's been really really busy lately, and the Elder's Corn's always there's always something to do. Like I said, so I just try to uh, do the best I can. That's the best answer I got for you, Kurt. I got yeah. great great counselors. Yeah. I love. Jeff and Zach and Mark and, and Gary, they're just good men yeah. who will who do the who will do what's asked to. So I'm appreciative of that and you know, this is once again a great ward. You know, there's good people who will step up to the to the task at hand and do what's needed. So yeah. I just try to do the best I can. All right, last question I have. If you were to get in a time machine, go a hundred years into the future and, and talk to your descendants that that time what what would be the one message you'd want to relay to them you know i thought about this this is the one question i thought about to be honest with you Hmm. and i think the one thing i would relay is just uh remember who you represent you know certainly you're representing yourself you're representing your name you're representing your father your father's father and most of all you represent the savior so uh that would be it I remember who you represent. You know what? You never just always do the right thing. Yeah. You know, I think Mark Twain said you're never going to be wrong when you do the right thing, and I believe that. So represent.